You were listening to episode 232 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and one of us is going to get our bass kicked in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Super Black Bass on the Super Nintendo. Uh, Ryan, I know you're laughing because we we had a little edit that we had to do prior to that. I don't know how that happened. Words are fun. Super Black Blast is what I said. It was was definitely interesting. Super Black Blast. So Ryan and I had a little competition to see who could catch a bigger fish. And, you know, I have to preface it's fish. I didn't specifically say it had to be a bass. Um, so okay. that was a, well, the first the first level challenge is to catch the largest bass in the lake. So I assume we were playing by the game's rules. Uh, I will check our text messages, but I'm fairly certain I said who's going to catch a bigger fish, not a bass. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I see. I see. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, so we'll dive into that in our inflation deflation segment for the week. But first, you can find a Game Inflators podcast. On your favorite podcast application that you're listening to right now, leave us a five-star review. Social media, at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. Of course, you can find us on YouTube, also The Game Deflators, and our out-of-date website, thegamedeflators.com. Ryan, let's go uh, to you for recent pickups and what you're currently playing. Uh, So I didn't pick up anything this week, but... I did play a whole bunch of Loop Hero and watched a whole bunch of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm almost done with season three. Uh, it is a great show. I'm really into it, and I'm excited to see what the next arc has to offer. Um, Loop Hero is different than what I described. So last time I was under the impression that you had to like equip all the different items. That's totally fake. You don't have to equip everything. You could just like manage your equipment, sort of. But uh, other than that, it's I've learned a lot more about the game playing it for this last week. And some of the things that I've learned are that it's it's really kind of a game about greed, because as you go through the loops, if you die, you get so much less resources than if you complete a loop and just leave with everything that you've got. So like. I spent hours and hours playing this game, just overextending myself and dying and making almost no progress before I was finally like, you know what? This is the first loop that I haven't finished with like full health. Maybe I should just back out, you know, see if I can upgrade and get some permanent resources to bring into a better loop and start over. And I've been seeing a lot more success since doing that. So, uh, you know, not every game is going to teach you all of its mechanics and stuff. And if you feel like you're doing something wrong, you might be doing something wrong. Nice. So pickups for me this week, I actually picked up Cthulhu age of madness. Uh, uh, so this was game? the board. The, remember the card game? We played a game on expo last year mm-hmm. and then we had the strange Aeon games. Oh, yeah, team yeah. Yeah. Come on out. Yeah. So uh, the Kickstarter came through. Oh, sweet. and uh, yeah, so I just got my copy. It is amazing. So definitely check out Strange Aeon Games. And uh, we've got really... those uh, exclusive cards. Yeah, we do have some exclusive cards we got while we were at Game on Expo last year. So hopefully we can go out again this year. Um, uh, but that said, uh, you know, check out the game. It's definitely a pretty cool piece. And we do have an interview that we did back in. I want to say it was 
like August last year that we interviewed them about their Kickstarter and everything that they were doing. So uh, go check that out and, uh, you know, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. As far as currently playing is concerned, I'm still playing Cardia. I cannot get past the fact that I keep falling asleep. Like that's literally been the bane of my existence, dude. Like I'm just so tired uh, when it comes time for me to like be able to play this game that I'll sit down and within like 15 minutes, I'm knocked out while the game is on. So I keep having to like restart the same damn battle. And what sucked is I was so tired the other day. I completed the battle. I went through all of the story and then I accidentally hit load game instead of saving. I was so pissed. So I've probably got a third of the game left for that half of, or that, you know, section for top one, six story. remain. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I so just want to beat the game. Like it's, I don't know what it is, man. It's not the game itself. It's just, I'm, I'm just so tired right now. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it doesn't help. And what's crazy is like, you know, waking up at six, take care of a baby and then go through my day wiped out. And then by the time it's like game time, I'm falling asleep, giving him a bottle and it may be playing for an hour before I go back to bed. Like it's been pretty insane recently. It's so, tough. Yeah. So what I got to start doing is just during saturdays man and and yesterday i was just so so busy yesterday so i, I couldn't do any sort of gaming whatsoever yesterday so that kind of sucked and then sundays is family day so i don't exactly get to game too much on family day i mean you can always just take a break dude i mean like how much how much time on this podcast have we spent where it's like hey ryan what did you play this week nothing what'd you pick up well, nothing i'm just I, here to talk uh, well, Ryan, I have to. Be, somebody has to pick something up, and so I just want to beat this game. It's really what it comes down to. I mean, we're in April. I started back in what January, so I just really want to knock it out, get it done, so I can play some other games and move on. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of that's kind of reason I've been sticking to it. Uh, that's really it. So I'm hoping when this is done, uh, I'll probably play Rain on Your Parade because it's something I can obviously like pick up play a little bit if i fall asleep it's cool because i beat like three levels and then go to sleep um, and you can play in handheld yeah and i can play handheld mode so i can take it to bed with me the cool thing is i did be carrying you know oh yeah yeah during this period of time so it's not like i haven't beat any games and played any other games it's just this particular one but dude like even last night my wife and i were watching some netflix and you know she's normally the one that falls asleep and i just was like zonked out immediately so yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. You can always join my side too, John. I mean, obviously, you know, the new game's resolution is one thing, but you don't have to finish every game. No, you just, don't you ever. You no, can just move on to something new, something I, different. Look at all those games on your shelf you've never played. I, I have they had, only need a couple of hours. I've actually had several games on this podcast that I haven't finished, like uh, Stick of Truth, South Park. I haven't finished that one yet. Yeah, like that's just there's several games that I've. Oh, uh, I've, what's that other one? Pokemon Terra. Uh, let's go Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do need to beat that one. Terra Enigma is another one. Terra Enigma is sitting nicely like on my shelf ready to play. Yeah. And like I stare at it every time I go upstairs and I just haven't played it yet or beat it. Yeah. So we'll get there. But uh, on to the more important topics uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Nintendo movies coming out uh, after the Super Mario Bros movie. Um, we're going to be talking about a rumor that Microsoft is reportedly not pleased with the current state of Xbox and then uh, God of War and how the Sony blockbuster has really changed the face of video games forever. So before we jump into those, though, I understand you saw the Mario movie 
I yes. said I was going to see a Mario movie. You know how I feel about it. So I'm curious what your thoughts were before I dive in and absolutely demolish it. Yeah. Uh, John's a hater and I quite enjoyed it. And I understand what a lot of people have said about it. And, you know, I'm not a huge movie guy. I don't have a lot of great language for movies. I, I watch, you know, several people on YouTube talk about movies, but you know, it's, it's a family movie. I definitely would not say it's a kid's movie. Like it definitely does not come across as like fart jokes and stuff like that. And kind of like cringy humor. Like it doesn't really come across in that way. I see how like some people were saying, you know, I wish that there was more of like, there's so much of the music in it, but like, did it need those like real life montage music songs and i think for a general audience it does um i thought all the voice work was totally serviceable and fine i didn't really have a problem with any of it i mean yeah it may not be what it could have been in a more perfect world but like considering the state of how many people had their hands in this for it to come out this well i think we, we did remarkably good and i think like a lot of things this is going to be a really good baseline with which to jump off of. Like, is Iron Man 1 the best Marvel movie? No. Is it one of the ones that everybody really remembers fondly because it kickstarted everything? Yeah. You know, this could totally be that. We'll talk about more of that in, like, the article and things. But, like, this did basically everything I think it needed to do. Like, I did not know, like, I guess we'll put up a spoiler warning for people. Uh, you know, you can skip to, I don't know how you would know, but you can skip ahead and eventually we'll stop talking about the Mario movie and we'll move on to other articles. Skip ahead like 10 minutes. And yeah, yeah. That should be, be safe. There. Yeah. yeah just scrub through it. You know how to podcast. Come on. Yeah. If you hear um, us say the word Mario, then you're like, oh crap, let me. Right. Um, so, um, I, basically, I think that there's a lot of room now to open the doors and go out and do other things. And I think it would be, um, you know, interesting to have seen a different version of this. Like, I, I did not know that they were going to acknowledge power ups like that. Like when I heard that reviewers didn't understand power ups, I was like. I mean, I guess I could understand like if Mario just like grabs a flower and could just shoot fireballs like but they explain what power ups are in the game and they don't like jump into depth about it. And it's just kind of fine and you can just kind of move past it like it it becomes pretty simple to understand like, oh, yeah, if Mario gets hit, he's going to lose his power and then there's going to be a dynamic shift in the battle context and it will create drama like acknowledging that as like a part of the world's mechanics and how it's going to engage is like interesting i think like my my man jack black absolutely killed it you know his performance was stellar i think like trying to show for the first time like in like an interesting way like how bowser is this evil tyrant but also like wants to marry peach and has this like weird sensitive side to him. Like it's, it's a through line through all of the games, but it's never like you never had to think about it like that really too much. 
so I'm on the opposite side of this whole deal. So quick question. If you had to give this out of like out of 10, what would you review it? Um, gosh, man. I mean, I've got a lot of nostalgia goggles on for this. I, I try to think about it. Like, is this a movie that I'm going to be able to just like throw on in the background and enjoy? And I think it will be. Um, not that I really do that very often anyways, but like, God, I would say like probably somewhere between like a seven and an eight. Okay. So I'm in, I'm in between like a four and a five out of 10. Yeah. That's, that's so like, the thing is I've just learned in my life that nobody likes (laughs) my movie opinions. Everybody wants to be contrarian to me. Well, it's, it's not real. I mean, I expressed my thoughts last week right after I saw it before, you know, I understood what your opinion would be and I figured you might like it, but you know, for me, critics are right in a lot of instances here. Um, the story is absolute dog shit. It's just not a good story. Um, I get what they were doing, but it's just, there's so much more that they could have done with the world of Mario to make this a better story. The whole concept of, Oh, Luigi, is going to be, you know, he somehow gets sucked into a different warp pipe and he's captured by Bowser. Okay, cool. The whole concept of Bowser wants the Mario Peach, we know it's there, right? Like, I think this movie would have benefited greater from not trying to take the video game and translate the video game into a movie so much as if they would have had a story built within the world of Mario, something completely unique to it, right? Like you've got Bowser and and that's all fine and dandy, but do we need to have like every instance of Bowser on this sensitive side and, you know, talking about how much he loves Peach and wants to marry her and all of those components? Like we really don't need that. What I would have rather seen is Bowser trying to like honestly destroy the entire Mushroom Kingdom as a whole, not... I need to marry Peach and all like, no, like take it from an instance of I need to capture like, Peach. And what game has he ever wanted to like just destroy like everything? He wants to like rule everything and he always like kidnaps her. Yeah. And he very well could have kidnapped her at the beginning and then, which actually would have been okay if he would have kidnapped her at the beginning and then started this whole but thing. You just of, said like, that you wanted it to be not just like all the games. That's like all the games. You're just saying do the game, just start a Mario game where Mario just exists in this world and Bowser kidnaps Peach and then no, Mario has to go save her. Like that's every so Mario that. game. I like the aspect of bringing them in from Brooklyn into the, the mushroom kingdom. Right. And that whole, like all of his worlds, like I like that component of it, but the whole thing of like Peach for the most part has always been like this helpless, you know, character, right. That Mario has to go and say, blah, 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 blah. Right it's evolved into now peach is more of a character that can kind of stand up to herself stand up for herself and such. So yeah, so Bowser could have kidnapped her. Cool. If not, that's fine too. I just think that the way that it was laid out, it just wasn't a very good story for me, man. Like I, I just didn't like the idea of like peaches on her, her own and saying, Oh, we need to go ahead and save the world from Bowser. Like her whole thing is like, Oh, Bowser's just trying to take over. Bowser's really just wanting to, to marry her. I don't know, man. I just think that it's not like this is a first, like the way they portray in the movie, it's not the first time that Peach has ever come across Bowser, right? Like they know he's this crazy tyrant, but you'd think like over the years, word would have gotten to her that, Oh, Bowser wants to marry you. Bowser wants to kidnap you. The whole plot point of it is like him, like, practicing and working up like he hasn't told anybody except for like Kamek 
And he no, like is dude. rehearsing with Kamek in the movie. He's practicing and it's like mm. he's got this idea now that he's got the power star. Now he's got what she'll want. Like, you know, he may have had those feelings before, but like in the movie, it shows like him working up the courage and trying to get it right and practicing. I just wasn't feeling it. I mean, you weren't it, feeling it, but it, I'm saying it's there. Yeah, I get it. I get it. it. I wasn't feeling it. The The thing for me, too, was the sheer amounts of nostalgia thrown up on the screen was ridiculous. Like, I like Easter eggs, right? I like seeing in the commercial, right, that they film where he's got the cape on and you see the yellow cape flowing. Like, yeah, that yeah. to me is an Easter egg. When you see when they crash through the brick wall and it's a silhouette of the 8-bit Mario in the sewers that to me is an easter egg but when you're throwing bananas all over the place blue shells come out of nowhere you do this whole mario kart race rainbow road pops out of nowhere all of a sudden you're doing gamecube kart selections with the kongs that type of stuff to me was like what the hell am i watching it was just like every single moment they could have thrown any sort of thing from the game in, they threw it in i'm like that's just not special to me. That's just throwing up like a vomit of nostalgia on the screen and trying too hard to throw in nostalgia. It was I don't know, man. Like if, if you're going to make a movie about Mario and you want to put as much Mario stuff in there as possible, like, I mean, yeah, they, they had like the moment where they were doing like the selecting the tires and the colors and everything. I thought that that was like a really cute moment because it's like all these Kongs have all these different carts and it's like interesting to see like, oh, well, how did they make them? I guess because like you got to give Mario his own cart like but the Kongs wouldn't just have a Mario flavored cart sitting on the sidelines. So like they're going to have to make him his one. This is like a pretty efficient way to like get Peach and Mario in their iconic things that you can recognize. And then also let Toad make a joke about having like a big bump and ride. Like for the uh, five seconds that it took to do that, I thought that it was totally worth it. And like, if there's only like, this is the second Mario movie in like 30 years or something. So like, if there's a chance that you're not going to be able to do it again, like, you've got to at least recognize like the most popular franchise besides Mario. And that would be Mario Kart itself. Like that's huge now. Like everybody buys Mario Kart and it's like a great marketing and advertising for that. Like you had to throw that in. Like I would say that it was too much if like they were golfing for a section and playing tennis for a little while and doing like all kinds of different things. But like, I get that. I had a little warning on the blue shell. Honestly, uh, there's this guy I watch on YouTube, Arlo. He did a prediction video thing where he saw like the poster and there was a Koopa with a blue shell. And he was like, is this going to be the origin of the blue shell? Like, are we going to see where it came from? So like, that was already seated in my mind. So I was kind of prepared for it as soon as I saw that guy. So I think that that might've been a step too far just because that guy had like two scenes. And as soon as you saw him, you were like, Hey, it's a blue that's Koopa. The, that's the thing. It was thrown in, right? It but didn't feel natural. Yeah. It was a, occur. it was a Chekhov's gun thing that nobody else would really know unless you were like a Mario Kart player. Yeah, and like even things like the fire flowers, right? Like it was cool to see like the fire flowers and like this giant field, right? But it 
it came off as like, is that really a power up? Because you have a, a field of fire flowers. And then they didn't really use it effectively. Like Peach lights a fire with it. And that's it. Like that's all that happens to fire flower. And then they go to the, the ice flower, which is later on Mario games. And like, oh, well, let's use the ice flower now. It's like, wouldn't you want to go more iconic? Like the Tanuki suit was nice, but like the random cat suit, like, I don't know, there's other that, things you could have thrown in there that would have been more interesting. In my I opinion. see. I think that they acknowledged a wide breadth of power ups and they basically gave each one like its scene. Like they all got like their own showcase moment and you weren't just relying on the same thing over and over. Like basically, if you play a Mario game like you just abuse the one power up as much as you can, like you play most of Super Mario Bros. 3 with a cape. If you can. Well, and so actually thinking about the Tanuki suit, the Tanuki suit doesn't work the way that they had in the film where you're just flying all over like the P wing. Yes, that would have allowed him to fly constantly, but they just have the Tanuki suit going wild like and he's just sputtering all over and flying with his Tanuki suit. I'm like, that's not how that works. Well, um, I mean, you got to so like, give it liberty. I get it. But if you're going to throw elements like that in, you have to have something to kind of back it up for those of us that are. I don't think so. Kind of like, yeah, I think I, so, man. No, I, I don't think that like you're giving Mario a flying power. You don't need to explain that. Oh, but wait, no, thing. it's actually it's... not a good flying power. It's only kind of mid because you got to flutter in time and you can't really gain height. Like but that's not things, fun and drama and exciting. They, there's things they could have done to build like Peach could have handed him a P wing, like handed him a P wing and been like here. Or he could have gotten the the wing cap from mario 64 but that wasn't there you yeah, know like but so they just chose one flying power up and gave it flight it was the one flying you're power being up so that you don't really okay so like that is not why you're giving this movie no, a no, no, four. No, no. the reason i'm giving it a four is because the pacing is absolutely horrendous the way that it goes from scene to scene to scene to scene and nothing truly has enough time to truly develop like it literally jumps too many scenes in a damn row like it is just, I, the pacing was horrible for me. And the last piece for me, and you're going to hate this. I didn't think Jack Black was that good. Yeah, I really didn't. I think that the voice for somebody like Bowser needs to be much deeper. I get like if they're adding singing components, Jack Black is obviously my first person. I'd say I mean, like, his yes. voice is pretty deep. Not really. Um, it was OK. It wasn't my favorite. Like if I were to rate like the voice actors I thought were great, I would put Peach first. I would put Toad next, which is great. I would then put in uh, Luigi, then Mario, and then I would go Jack Black, and then I would go Seth Rogen for Donkey Kong because Donkey. Oh, and then Cranky Kong right after that. Those dude, Seth Rogen should not have been cast in this film. He was absolutely horrible. I don't ever want to see a Donkey Kong movie made with Seth Rogen as donkey kong again yeah i mean it, it, it may happen <laughs> i i could not stand that laugh dude like i hate seth rogan's laugh already and to hear seth rogan's laugh on donkey kong the entire time was terrible and mm -hmm. then cranky kong's voice just did not fit i really wish diddy kong would have got a little more other than like that oh that means you too diddy kong and that was it like that just come on like that's one of the more iconic characters and you're just like oh he's in the background like doing something. it's a mario movie it's not a donkey I, kong movie i get it but like come on set us up you're like there's more. too like, much there's too much of this but it needs more of this specific nostalgia that other nostalgia mm -hmm. and they fucked up the the tanuki suit but they need more diddy kong like 
No, it's not that they need more Diddy Kong. It's just that the way to Diddy Kong was just kind of like it was one line of like, that means you too, Diddy Kong. And then that's it. Like Diddy Kong's gone. Like even if Diddy Kong was just in the background next to Cranky Kong or like at some point, like I think that the way that that was kind of portrayed too is a little off. Like, why are you just having that one flash of Diddy Kong? Meanwhile, they also had the other like DK crew, like tiny and uh, I can't remember the one with the pigtails like next to him. Dixie Kong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dixie Kong. Yeah. I, I get it, dude. I get it. There's only so much that you can put into a movie, but it's there was a lot of stuff that didn't need to be put in and then a lot of stuff that could have been put in to kind of balance things out from that nostalgia, especially when we talked we talked uh, two weeks ago about like a cinematic universe, right? And like building things out. I don't know. I think that there's areas that they could have fleshed out a little better. Um, I Like I said, I wasn't a fan of the pacing. I wasn't a fan of too much nostalgia being in there. Like I really do wish there was more of a balance of mario nostalgia and it wasn't just thrown in like a lot of things just felt to me that they were thrown in just to throw them into a movie and i get your opinion on it like they figured we only have one shot to do this if it fails it fails but we want to make the most of it right like i don't think that's the right way to approach it i think the right way to approach it is to have a solid film and make sure that that film is good and you're gonna have people that enjoy it and move forward to next and not saying like you know, like if I were to watch it again, I wouldn't be watching it in theaters. Like I would not pay to watch it again. I'd be you didn't to, pay like, to watch it this time. That's true. So I'm not <laughs> going to pay. I'm not going to pay to watch it. Um, that's true. I did get to see it for free, which is kind of nice. Although I've paid with, you know, purchases to be able to watch it for free. So kind of paid in the way. So, John, I do have some really good news for you. Hmm. Uh, did you know that? uh more Nintendo movies are coming after the Super Mario Bros. movie. Yeah, and I hope that they are not Seth Rogen and Donkey Kong. I, I read the article last night. Um, yeah. So this is Mecca Reynolds at uh, Movie Web. And if you guys didn't know, uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie we've been talking about has had a box office smash success, and it is the number one movie of the year and the number one like animated release weekend like of all time or something yeah i mean it's well not after beating frozen 2 as the best opening weekend for an animated movie in the history of cinema so so the question on that i did see someone that showed lion king at like 900 and something million but that didn't account for inflation well it could be like lifetime or something i yeah i'm not sure but yeah i mean the dude it's gonna be a billion dollar movie there's no denying that um so that means oh. more. It so does if mean more. this wasn't yeah. the Mario movie you liked, well, maybe the next one will be. Hopefully. And look, and just to kind of go back really quick, just a little bit. Critics gave us what a 56, 55, right? Uh, and audience score is 96. Something like yeah, something like that. I'm telling you, dude, this is an instance of rabid Nintendo fans giving something a 10 out of 10 and 9 out of 10 just to do it to try and get that score up because when you look at movies like I've, I don't know what's that anime movie that's coming out like now like it's going to be in theaters it's got like a girl walking through a door yeah uh, you know what I'm talking about you yeah 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 that one has like critic reviews of like 98 and audience reviews of like 96 to 97 so when I look at movies like that and Susan I've seen me. yeah and that looks solid so there's anime movies out there that 
critics get poor reviews and yeah audience can give them a, a pretty decent review but it's usually yeah, pretty the Mario movie is not mm-hmm. a satoshi cone or, or no, no, like no. I, uh, I get that. miyazaki or like a great like i totally get japanese that. anime film my point being though is that there are animated films out there frozen toy story moana all of these films that get high praise critic reviews and also get good reviews from those that go to the theater to watch it right mario movie is like opposite of being review bombed it's like review propped right now you have dude if you were to go to rotten tomatoes and look at all of the reviews that are on this film it's all like three word reviews i loved the movie that's four so I love the okay, movie. Well, some people Fantastic just love the movie and wanted I, to give it a or, good score, John. Or they just created an account because they were mad at critics and wanted to go ahead and give it a good score. Yeah, but you act like this is the only time that's ever happened. That happens for video games. That happens for movies. That happens for all media all the time. And you know that it definitely does happen for Nintendo. But like the fact that Nintendo people are doing that and critics say that it was like a 56 doesn't mm-hmm. actually mean that that's what it really is. Like no, it's somewhere but, in the middle to be sure. Yeah. So I would say that the general audience is probably along the lines of your seven to eight. All right. General audience. That's what I'm saying. Like it's propped up to like a 96 when it probably is more like that seven to eight score, like an 80. I know. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we'll get, we'll, we'll get through time here. Okay. So, um, as far as movies, uh, you know, Nintendo movies are concerned based on success of this film. Um, you know, I personally would like to see, I think, a Zelda movie for sure. That's something that I think you can really kind of definitely animate and create like its own individual story just based on what Zelda is and having that villain and those different worlds and and all of that. Like, I think that that's something that's a little, and there's not like crazy power-ups or anything along those lines. Like there's weapons that you get throughout the game. But people don't need an explanation of what a boomerang is. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to have, like, there's no giant mushrooms. There's nothing like that. You've got an arc arena, you've got a master sword, you've got a shield, and you've got a bow and all the little things that Link does. So I think like, to try and adapt that type of game into uh, a movie, I think is going to be far easier than, and probably portrayed a little better than a Mario movie and even a Donkey Kong movie. Like, I don't know what the hell you can do with Donkey Kong. Now, the thing with this is who's going to do it and how are they going to open these up? Like, I definitely agree with them here that illumination, you know, I think that they did a good job. I think the Mario movie definitely looked great. Like, you definitely can't knock it for that. But, like, I would love to see something like a Zelda taken on by, like, Leica Studios. They did, like, Kubo and the Two Strings and Paranorman. Like, I would love to see a studio like that do something where it's, like, you know, stop motion and, like, lean into that weirder Zelda vibe. Because, like, if you can really nail it, I mean that aesthetic is quite popular and you could do some really interesting different things. Well, if you recall, we, um, we talked about a few weeks ago as well, that there were plans to do a claymation star Fox. Yeah. At some point, right? Like there's been different ideas that have kind of been propped up over the last few years, like live action Zelda is obviously one instance as well. So, um, 
I think there's a lot of ways that they can do these films, but unfortunately, like if you want a cinematic universe and you want things to blend at some point in time, you kind of have to have the same style of animation and that's going to have to focus on just illumination doing this moving forward, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of because I, their work is not phenomenal and it's more so like the directors that are hired. Like it really kind of, it kind of comes down to the director really like, if Illumination is doing it, I don't think it's a big deal. It's more so who's the actual director and writer for the film is a, is a difference maker for me. So if they can get somebody in there that like really knows their shit and is a huge fan of the games and can really get deep into the lore, but also, um, you know, keep it fresh for general fan bases. I, I think that's the way to go. I don't I don't care who, dis, you know, who actually animates it so much as who writes it. So um, anything else on that before we move into our, our rumor mill? Uh, I just kind of realized something. So like Illumination is a French studio. Mm-hmm. Ubisoft is a French studio. And those are both like have worked with Nintendo on Mario in the last recent years. And I'm not a fan of the Rabbids games. <laughs> like I'm just not. So hopefully Ubisoft does not touch it. That, all right terrible. so moving on. all right yeah moving on so uh, a rumor microsoft is reportedly not pleased with the current state of xbox this is john uh bonnelli at game rant um so really what it kind of comes down to is if you look at 2022 microsoft had like four releases in 2022 in terms of good games and in 2023 while it is set up to be a great year for xbox Nothing's really come out this year either, other than Hi-Fi Rush, which is... Oh, and a lot of bad news. And a lot of bad news. Um, So you've got that. And then, of course, Redfall uh, turns out it's going to be 30 frames per second as opposed to 60 frames per second. Um, And given what the Series X is, you'd be like, why why is it 30 frames per second, right? So people are upset about that and saying, you know, we'd rather just have it delayed and get you to do it right than just release it to release it, which we obviously saw with Halo. It was delayed and then they still release it and it wasn't that great either so you know when it kind of comes down to it i i see why microsoft is kind of upset right you've you're acquiring all these developers and you're acquiring this publisher and activision you're doing all of these big things but the console is still not taking out sony and it's still not taking out nintendo right you're doing all that you can you've got your setup with uh with game pass right but you're not seeing the success on the Xbox. And I think a lot of that really is based on game pass, right? Like you're doing all this to support game pass, but people are buying those games on PC. They're, they're finding them on steam for steam sales, or they're playing your game pass, but they're playing it on a computer, right? They're not buying the physical console. And it really goes back to the conversations that I've brought up before, where I think this is the last Xbox. I don't see a world where Microsoft says, let's go ahead and release another console lose money on every single one of it and then potentially make money on our game pass. We're not selling these physical games because people are going to game pass anyways. You just need that adapter, something to go to your screen or having game pass on a TV or working directly with Sony to say, we'll put game pass on your console. We just take X percent, right? Like there's things that they could do down the road that don't require an Xbox, quite frankly. And so I I can totally understand why Microsoft is upset with all of this. Um, or the rumor that Microsoft could be upset. Um, so, I mean, time will tell, but I, I really do think this is the last Xbox. Yeah. I mean, talking more about like what's actually happening with this, though, like the 
focus on trying to just get these games out because there has been such a drought and then the poor performance and the poor reception like that's what's really going to start killing even more of this because they've been setting these expectations we're going to put out these great games and now there's been so much blowback about like the 30 fps and it's like we were promised this you know 60 fps 4k next gen experience and like you know they like to argue that this is a more powerful console than the ps5 so it's like why aren't we able to see that and that really all comes down to just the work in the games and you know the development time and having the talent to like push through and get it done and you know they're just not lining up in a way that makes as much sense as it used to it just takes more time and work to develop a game and you have such these great expectations for these games to be these massive massive experiences you know you've kind of just peaked at how much returns you can get over how much a period of time like i think i've referenced it before but like i've heard that if you're going to start developing a new AAA game today like you're developing for the ps6 not the ps5 like that boat's already kind of sailed at this point so you know it might be a cross-gen game or whatever but like really you're going to start targeting the next thing because it's going to take you six or seven years to get out like a brand new AAA like full-on experience if you're trying to allow for the amount of time that you should allow for and not have all these massive delays but like you know trying to get the timing to line up and get you know a game a quarter or however much you need to really prop up game pass as a first party studio is difficult and they keep trying to acquire all these studios but you know even once they acquire blizzard they'll have just released you know diablo 4 and everything things will be popping off there and you know they'll get that ported over to whatever they can like i guess if it'll be on just xbox or i don't know if it's going to be on like ps5 and stuff but whatever ends up happening with that like they're not going to be making another new game anytime soon you know at least not another like big tentpole franchise like that's a once in a decade kind of game not a okay we'll get this out in another three years kind of game so like you keep acquiring these studios they need to actually put in the work and get a schedule of games to release and maybe they've got a really great plan for 2024 and 2025 and 2026 but yeah you're right they're not moving consoles now and now is really when the battle is happening you know in a few years it's going to be a little bit late and Mm -hmm. people don't even want to compromise and play at 30 frames per second like i'm just glad that i got my series s cheap and just use it for game pass and i'm not disappointed at all because i'm not promised the moon and disappointed like i know that it's going to be basically the same as the last gen yeah meanwhile you got sony releasing blockbuster after blockbuster game you know out in the market every every year it seems and they're acquiring smaller studios that are making these exclusive games for them as well. So, like, I think it's, uh, is it Firewalk Studio well, that they just acquired? So, like, yeah, but that's they're picking studio. up game studios that haven't even made a game yet based yeah. purely on the talent there and say, you know what, we're going to just whatever you're making, here's what you need. Get it done. Get it on the schedule for us. Go. Yeah, they're making exclusive games through these smaller developers. They're, they're enjoying or not enjoying, but like they're they're 
buying up these small studios that are actively creating games for them, right? Bringing in great talent, bringing it in under their wings so that they are continually pushing out great games. And and that's one of the things, like, I know people love to hate Sony just as much as people love to hate Microsoft. And I get where Sony is, you know, a thorn in Microsoft's side. And there are people that say, well, you know, Sony's doing the same shit by getting exclusive content and buying things. That's That's really, I think, combative and it has to be because microsoft is out there buying all of these damn major publishers and studios like you can't compare the two a small development team of like 50 people compared to like an activision blizzard is night and day you yeah. know you, you have a, com- a studios developing one game and it's not even announced yet what that game is yeah and then you're trying to compare it to activision blizzard which has hundreds of titles right and there's people out there to think that sekido is under activision like that Activision owns the IP, which they don't. So yeah. it, it's interesting, man. Like Microsoft just buys everything that they can because they can't make their own damn games. And then they bring in these studios, Rare being one of them. The last Banjo-Kazooie we got was on the 360 and it was trash. You know, they haven't done anything with Conquer this entire time. Mm-hmm. Killer Instinct has had mediocre Killer Instinct games that have come out as well. So like, what do we expect? You know, like the history is there. They've continually purchased these studios only to release trash and not hold these studios accountable for putting out quality games, like yeah. just to, to get the name out there. So honestly, like I, I really do think this is it for the Xbox and it's going to be Game Pass and it's going to move on to other consoles and devices. And and I'm OK with that. You know, if I could do a subscription for all these great games, I'm fine with that. Then I don't have to buy another console. Yeah, I mean, it's tough when Microsoft can't, you know, even put out a decent first party title. Halo was such a disappointment. But meanwhile, on the other side of the fence, you know, uh, with God of War, Sony changed blockbuster video games forever. Uh, that by Willow Row at uh, Inverse.com. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the industry, I've been seeing this and this is what she's talking about in our next article here is that the amount of like people that refer to God of War as like the future of gaming or like we need more things like God of War or God of Lore, God of War level experiences. You know, it's the new industry standard. It's like the new breath of the wild how everything is kind of breath of the wildy for a while or how, how all indie games how all indie games are metroidvanias <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like everybody wants to ape the success of god of war and they're going to try to lean into it by making their games more god of war in the ways that they perceive so like final fantasy 16 is going to be a real first viewing of that i think because it's going to be clearly inspired by it it's completely changing final fantasy to like a full-on just action combat game and wearing that on its sleeve and hoping to sell gangbusters by doing so well the one thing that i do appreciate that they've noted here as well is that it really isn't god of war that kind of kicked off this new genre of gaming but last of us and uh she calls it uh dad gaming mm. which i you know the dad genre which I can kind of see with Joel and, and Ellie and, and their whole like journey together and, and how that, you know, all kind of plays together. And you see it with Atreus and, uh, and Kratos as well in, in God of War in the 2018 version. So, you know, I think 2013's release of Last of Us really did kind of help shape 
what we're seeing today as much as you know dark souls has shaped a lot of the action rpg um you know gameplay that's out there nowadays as well so really demon souls if you think about it so i i'm excited man i i'm really looking forward to gaming moving forward or gaming in the future like this this type of how it's broken out with like kratos and atreus and ellie and joel and how they just have like you have that inner storytelling and inner dynamic of the characters as you're playing a game just kind of opens things up to a totally different level of storytelling. Yeah. Like you're, you're just, you're traversing through whatever landscape, but you're hearing this like narrative at the same time. And I just love how that's done. And I really just hope that we continue to see this trend for a number of years to come uh, more so than things like breath of the wild. Cause breath of the wild, like while I haven't played it, it looks pretty badass. Um, but again, it's just that's an open world. Action yeah, I mean, that's RPG. more of like an iteration on gameplay and stuff, whereas like the God of War and Last it's of Us storytelling. Is, well, yeah. it's really like a maturity that has come along with games like games yeah. have matured and not in a way that's like more blood or boobs or whatever. Like, you know, being a mature rated game and being a mature game are very different things. And I think that like as we like kind of the audience that was really, you know, at the target age of, you know, gaming throughout our lives, I feel like we're continuing to remain in that target demographic. Cause like back in the day, like I never remember games about like being a dad to somebody and like yeah. trying to teach them in the world and stuff like that. Wasn't really like you were like more, younger and you were kind of more the target of that and i'm sure older people who played games like were channeling their inner youth but this is something that older people and people our age who are now parents can relate to so i'm interested to see like how this trend will continue like when we're 60 are there going to be games made and engineered like to target like us like is it going to be like escape the home or something and it's going to be this like really deep psychological about like how your kids don't call you anymore and like you're just trapped here and they're stealing your shit like <laughs> and they're drugging you it's yeah nursing, like nursing home psychedelic game where you yeah. take the pills and you go on a trip yeah like there's uh, all different kinds of target audiences out there and like as we age and are continuing to be like the people who were like the video game you know, kind of generation as I see us. You know, you, you do bring up a good point in terms of like the games aging along with us, kind of similar to like, you know, films have as well, like franchise, like you saw, you know, the Harry Potter films, right? They went from yeah. eight movies, but those eight movies took place over however long. And we grew up with those films and we grew up with those characters and it all kind of, we felt like we were part of that. And it's kind of the same here. Like I remember when I was a teenager, I absolutely loved twisting my joysticks and pressing x really fast when kratos is you know with naked goddesses and whatnot right like that was entertaining to me but is it entertaining now not really like do i want to sit there and do that mini game no but i yeah. do like the aspect of like telling atreus what he needs to do to to kill an animal and how to skin it or something mm -hmm. and how to protect himself from enemies like that to me is pretty cool so yeah i'm totally agree with you the games have aged with us if we see something like escape the nursing home. I will laugh when that happens. Um, <laughs> and I kind of look forward to it, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy where gaming has been going and it, Sony has really kind of changed, changed that a lot for me. And one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of what Sony does. So it's not just to put out video games to put it out. There's more meaning behind those games. So, yeah. 
Moving on to our last piece here, um, you're going to be leading this. Our inflation deflation for super black bass on the SNES. So this was developed by Starfish SD. Publisher was Hot B. Uh, the director was Hiroshi Katsumata, released back in May of 93. It is a sports fishing game. Like, I don't know, man. I guess fishing is sports, but it's always one of those things where I'm like, I mean, you make a sport of it, but it, I, I don't really think of it as sports. I think of it as leisure. And then uh, reception, man, this was a weird one. So, like, I looked all over. It was hard to find stuff on this. Not many people talk about this game. It's got, like, a 5.3, and it's got, like, a 3 out of 5. So it's somewhere between a 3 and a 5 on a scale of either, <laughs> you know, like, on a 10 or whatever. So it's it's not great. It's not well received. Um, plot. <laughs> Cast your line and reel them in. Catch all kinds of variety from bass, pike, rainbow trout, and brown trout. Compete in four exciting tournaments against top anglers for celebrated title of Super Bass Champion. And it's funny, Super Bass Champion, but the entire concept is black bass. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like, okay. The uh, the Black Bass is like the franchise, I guess, that this is in. And this was the Super Nintendo title. It is a fishing game. Um, I don't know if you've ever played fishing games out there. I have not played very many fishing games. John is a an angler. Uh, yeah, that and also this was my first fishing game actually years oh, ago. So, so you had the nostalgia. I Yeah, actually, this was very nostalgic for me. I spent hours upon hours playing this game when I was younger. I can see why because it is hard to actually make things happen <laughs> not really once you kind of get you see the concept of fishing and how to make well, it digital yeah so in the game you are a fishing person a you fisherman. are going out that's, on that's your a fisherman hey you could be a fishing person hey, otherwise, known as a, otherwise known as a, okay i see what you're saying but this came out in 93 so you're a fisherman okay yeah, yeah. most likely <laughs> so if you are out there on the water and you have your boat you have like a, a topographical or not what is that what is that like a fish view finder thing where like yep. you can see the scape of the water below you and you can see things in the water and then you drive your boat around the lake it is very hard to use that fish finder thing, I find. Uh -uh. to I mean, so in the way that it is a side-on view, and you are on a top-down view of the boat. So, like, I don't know which direction it's scanning and facing. So when you actually park the boat, and then you go to cast your line, like, Am I cast like you can't see the boat? So I don't know if I'm casting off the bow or the starboard or the stern. So it's like, which way am I facing? Which way is the fish? I know the fish is about 10 meters down in this general area. But like when you throw the line out, you just have to reel it in and see if you can see a fish through the water. Like you can go to this top down view when you're about to cast and you can see the water from above but I can't tell if I can see fish in the water at all or if they're too deep under the water to see them. So, I mean, it's challenging. I, I will for the fishermen out there. So the fish finder works fine. Uh, it is what you would see on a standard boat fish finder, actually. 
Um, but it does give you a tip. It tells you shallow water is going to equate to more bass in the mornings than yeah. later in the afternoon, right? So the idea is you use the fish finder primarily, not necessarily for the little fish that appear it, but you, you use it primarily to see what's shallow. So there's areas in the game that the fish finder will indicate for you if it's 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, etc. And so oh, wait, you, what? So like there's yeah. just fish everywhere. You don't have to find like the like things that are floating. No, not that I've had to. That aren't part of the terrain. Like there's just fish everywhere. There's fish everywhere. But like oh. ideally, yeah, I mean, the fish finder obviously is nice because it shows fish. But like I was in an area this morning that I jumped in that showed fish on the fish finder and there were no fish in where I was fishing. So see, that's what I ran into a couple times. I mean, the first group of fish I found very quickly. I identified them with the fish finder. I cast off. They didn't like the bait I used. I tried like three different lures and I caught a fish and it probably took me like 10 minutes to get my first fish. It was pretty easy. Like one of the guys who I tried to look up because like I said, there's not much online runs uh, like a game blog. I think it was like SNES a day. He said mm -hmm. he played the game for like an hour and didn't catch anything. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I caught a fish. Yeah. one fish and i had no idea what was happening like once i started reeling it in and it had like the two arrows moving uh, i had no idea what was happening so, or how that game works or what it was you, indicating let me tell you how that's working so the arrow for the fish is the fish you know powering out right like taking the line and then the arrow on the bottom is you as an angler reeling in now of course if you were pressing the button to reel in and the fish is pulling out that puts stress on the line which is where the blue bar comes into play so when you see a blue bar you want to let go and let the fish continue going so it tires out so it moves on the blue bar is gone you start to reel back in at that point in time uh when the fish jumps you just let it jump when it's done you start reeling in it's just what you would do in a standard it really does kind of take into effect like actual fishing. So if you were on a boat and there was a bass that was jumping in the water, that bass is trying to release that lure that, that it's hooked to, right? When it's done jumping, you start reeling in. If a fish is running, not running, but if a fish is swimming away rapidly, then you let it go. You let it drag out some line. You reel it in because the idea is it's using you its energy. It out. You tire it out. It's using energy to get away. Yeah. So it's the same concept here in this game. So there is a little patience involved in it. Um, the trend. So it's a miracle fish. that I caught this fish is what you're saying. Uh, as Cause I was just yeah. frantically slamming the button and I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. My, my issue with this game has always been the lure selection. They give you like eight different lures and sometimes like one works and others don't. Mm -hmm. So like the spinner is always usually pretty good in this game. So I caught things on spinner. I did catch something on the frog. I used the worm. The worm is actually okay. It depends on what you're trying to catch, but Getting to our competition, though, what was the largest one that you caught? 5.04. I was in 50th place. So you saw my picture. I got Which was 5.01? 5 5 no, it was 5.1, actually. Oh, 5.1. 5 5.1. Let yep. me check my let me check my picture. I did take a picture. Yeah. I had to for proof. But in terms of biggest fish, though, I caught a six-pound rainbow trout. So I did catch Oh no, that. it was 5.4. Oh, you okay, so you beat me on the uh, bass i see that but i did beat you on the biggest fish overall though with that rainbow trout yeah i saw like a huge fish that was like meddling around some trout there were these ones like that's the thing like there were some fish that like they just there were three of them and i threw yeah. like almost every line out and they just didn't want anything to do with it so i was just like yeah. maybe they're just not hungry maybe i just need to find some different fish 
Yeah. But I thought so, the fish were only in the spots where you could see, like, this is obviously something in the water that isn't the terrain. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were pretty obvious. And then obviously they lighten up if they're going for your bait and then, you know, to kind of jig it and, and mm-hmm. do what you need to do. So uh, I'll do the brass text really quick since I'm still yeah. talking. Um, complete in box. This game is 1893. It was uh, a peak of 1999 in 2015. It is trending up. And in a loose copy right now runs you 528 peaked at 899 back in January of this year. That is also trending up. Uh, I think this game is personally at 528 for a loose copy. I think it is deflated. I think that you would still get plenty of time, even if this copy was 899, which it was earlier this year. <clears throat> I think it's still an enjoyable game. I think it's, as you said, leisure. You can sit back, you can look around, catch fish. It's not super frustrating. It's a very simple game once you kind of get the mechanics down and understand what's happening with like the stress of a line and all of that and catching fish. And it, it gives you a time frame, right? Like you have to catch them in a certain amount of time. Or if you feel that you got a big enough fish, you could just kind of move forward with the tournament and just kind of stop it right there. So if you start off and you catch an eight pound fish and you're like, wow, that's good enough. You just hit, you know, you end a tournament and you're good. You can enter and and move forward. So I, I think it is deflated. I do think that it would be a higher price and you'd be happy with what you're getting here. And if I was a rated in that like five scale that's here, I'd put it at like a four in terms of a price point and what you're getting. Yeah. So um, we got three I, minutes. Before. Yeah, I think that it's it's a pretty OK fishing game, I guess. Like I'm not that into fishing games. If you really like this game, I mean, it's you know what? It's a decent looking box. If you're into fishing, I think it would be really funny if you actually like got a box copy of it and put it on like a mounting plaque and like mounted it. Like instead of mounting a fish, you mounted like the fishing game. (laughs) That'd be funny. I think that that would be funny. It's like 20 bucks for a complete inbox or like five bucks loose. Yeah, that's worth it. Yep. Okay, cool. Let's put in a, whatever you want, either deflated or, or uh, just right. Um, with the last couple minutes that we have here before our recording decides that it wants to quit next week, let's play saltwater fishing game on the dreamcast more fishing. Yeah. Let's do more fishing. Cause I have the actual like fishing real thing. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it should be fun. All right. Well, this has been episode two thirty two of the game of players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.